0: InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. When you send your child off to school each day, you may have a number of concerns. But here's one that may not have been at the top of your list. Toxic Air. Two journalists recently won a prestigious award for their series of reports on what they
1: call the Smokestack Effect. With the story, here's InfoTrack's Taryn McCall. Taryn? Thanks, Chris. Our guest is Blake Morrison, and he, along with co writer Brad Heath, recently were awarded the Grantham Prize for Excellence in Environmental Reporting. They wrote an eight part series for USA Today that examined industrial pollution near more than 100,000 U.S. schools. Welcome to InfoTrack, Blake. Hi, Karen. I think one of the most stunning revelations in your series was the widespread nature of the problem. So let's start there. Just give us a thumbnail sketch of how serious this problem is.
0: Well, it's pretty serious. We wanted to take a look at the impact of industrial pollution on kids. They breathe far more air in proportion to their weight than adults do. And that means that the dosage of the chemicals that they breathe is far more significant, maybe 10 times so. So what we did is took the best EPA data and the best EPA computer simulation, and we took a look at where industrial pollutants go, from the smokestacks to where they dissipate in the air. Then we overlaid the location of about 128,000 public, private, and parochial schools. You can even go online and check where your school ranks and what kind of compounds might be in the air outside. What we found is hundreds of schools where the air outside could pose significant health hazards to the kids, including cancer.
1: It was a bit surprising that many of those schools were not in what is perceived to be the nation's industrial belt, either.
0: Yeah, they're in a variety of locations, some of them in wealthy neighborhoods, some of them in places you might expect. One of the things that is so insidious about this is it's difficult often to know what's in the air because you might not be able to see it, and it might dissipate over tens of miles. So the kinds of compounds that we're talking about here, things like chromium, things like manganese, they have profound effects on kids, sometimes immediate effects. They contribute to things like attention deficit disorder, and sometimes the effects don't show up for years or maybe even decades. We found a case, for instance, in Texas where there were kids who successfully, as adults, sued area companies because they breathed a compound called butadiene when they were going to school at a place called Port Neches, Texas. And those were cases where some of those plaintiffs have since died because they contracted cancer during times of breathing these compounds.
1: Would it be a correct assumption that most of these problems didn't just pop up recently? How far back do the roots of this problem go?
0: Well, I think quite a ways back. In fact, the regulations today, one can argue, are far more strict than they were in yesteryear. What we did is we used the best government data and computer simulations to first take a look at of the widespread issues, the 128,000 schools, but then we decided to take it a step further and we teamed with Johns Hopkins University and the School of Public Health at the University of Maryland, and we went to about 95 schools around the country and took air samples ourselves. Part of the reason we did that is because the government isn't. They're not required by law to do it, and as a consequence, nobody who goes to that school really has any idea of what might be in the air outside.
1: One thing of concern is that no one really knows how much exposure to these chemicals or contaminants is really dangerous. I know children have a lower threshold than adults would, but has any study been done to determine what that tipping point is?
0: Well, it hasn't. And part of the issue here is that most of the assessments that have been done of these compounds deal with workplace exposures for adults. And part of the reason that that's just not relevant in a lot of these cases is because the age and status of the child, they do breathe more air in proportion to their weight than adults do. Their organs are still developing. And in the cases of lung capacity, for instance, the kinds of compounds that they'll breathe as a child, if it stunts their lung development, that caps pretty much at the 18th year. So what that means is that if you lose your lung capacity early in life, you will never get it back. There just isn't enough study that's been done on the impact on kids. And that's part of the reason we wanted to write about this. It's just such an important issue. And because the illnesses might not manifest themselves until years or even decades later, we might not even know what's happening.
1: And there's a health cost to us down the line as U.S. citizens.
0: Absolutely. We found one school, for instance, that we took a look at, Abraham Lincoln Elementary School in East Chicago, Indiana. The best government data indicated levels of manganese at more than a dozen times higher than what the government considers safe. Now, this is a compound manganese that will stunt the ability to essentially take in information and process it. It causes mental and emotional problems after long exposures. And it didn't surprise us then that there were a lot of special education classes at this It certainly seemed to go hand in hand with the issues that they were facing with pollution.
1: If the studies don't exist to peg a standard to children, can it sort of be entered into through the back door because adults work at these schools too?
0: Well, that's true. Part of the issue, of course, is that some of these things might not show up with adults, and they might show up years or decades later. Part of the other issue that faces children as far as cancer goes is that they have a much longer period in which to contract it than most adults do. You know, if you're 50, you might die before you contract cancer from breathing the same air. But if you're 7 years old, you have, you know, 63 to 70 years in front of you to contract that disease. So what we do to kids at these locations is obviously of particular importance.
1: What happens with the schools that have been found to be contaminated? Are they closed down or is the problem addressed while the school is operating?
0: Well, as a result of our reporting, the EPA has launched a program to take a look at the air outside 62 schools that it pinpointed in part based on what we found, in part based on their own models and statistics, so we're going to see what that shows. We took a look closely at a school outside of Cincinnati that had closed down in 2005 At that school, the Ohio EPA had gone in and done some monitoring, found levels of a carcinogen, a couple carcinogens, that increased the cancer risk there 50 times higher than what the state considered acceptable. When we ran the computer simulation using the best government stats, we found about 435 schools around the country where the air outside appeared to be even worse than the school where it was 50 times what was considered acceptable for cancer. And so a number of districts are now confronting this they're either calling in people to do testing or the EPA is coming in doing testing and we think that in the next few months we'll have some ideas about what is being shown outside those schools and what steps the schools or regulators might take to try to make those things better.
1: We're talking with Blake Morrison, who did a series of reports for USA Today on contamination in schools. Blake, how can parents know if their child's school has a problem?
0: Well, one of the first things I'd encourage them to do is go to our website. If they go to www.smokestack. Dot .usatoday.com That's www.smokestack.usatoday.com They can type in the name of any school in the country in any city in the country and it will come back with what the government's best data and computer simulation indicate might be in the air outside. Now, keep in mind, this is a model. It is a computer simulation. It is equivalent to perhaps predicting the weather pattern at any one location. But what they should do from there, if they're troubled by what they see, is that they should start contacting their school district, their local regulators, even the companies. We list phone numbers for the companies that are the big contributors to the pollution there and start asking questions. And if they're not satisfied with the answer, we also have a Q&A on the website that would point them toward activist organizations where they might be able to go and get some kind of insights as to some steps they can take themselves to do monitoring in the area. The key here is they ought to pursue this just as they would any other step to try to protect their children.
1: Blake Morrison with USA Today. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, Taryn. And I'm Taryn McCall for InfoTrack.
0: Next, you may love those shockingly low sale prices at your favorite stores, but are they cheapening our culture? The startling story, coming up. You're listening to InfoTrack.
1: More after this.